Turning in your Bibles today to 2 Samuel chapter 12. Thank you, Brother Shaw, for the nuts and bolts of our relationship with God in that good teaching today. Amen. That was good stuff. And it's needful for us to realize we can't be sucking on a pacifier at 20 years old in the church. I'm talking about been in the church 20 years. Amen. It's time for us to grow up and be what we're supposed to be. Praise God. So sorry to tell you that this week we're going to lose our sweet friends and brothers. Brother and Sister Earps are going to be making their way back to South Africa on Tuesday, and we're going to miss them. We love having them here in Anderson and at FBC. God bless you all. We love you. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15. Nathan departed unto his house. The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him and raised him up from the earth, but he would not. Neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would but hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that the servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Now I know that sounds like a bit of a morbid scripture for a Sunday morning. But this morning as I was seeking the Lord, the Lord spoke to me to say this is going to be a day of restoration. Listen, the Lord, I don't know who's going to be listening today, but the Lord said, I'm about to reach for some people that need recovery and need healing and restoration. If you're in this place today, in this sanctuary, God's going to reach for you today. And with the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach to you from that last verse. The servants are whispering. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands to the Lord. God, in your name, Jesus, we ask you right now to touch the hearts of this, your people. God, draw the souls of men to repentance and restoration today and healing today. God, let your word do what it does best. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. One of the easiest tasks for God to accomplish often becomes our hardest chore. 
to carry out. I speak this morning, of course, of the mercy and forgiveness of God. It's been God's passion and great work throughout the ages to forgive men when they earnestly call out for mercy. And yet all of us who have been forgiven somehow forget it ourselves. The Bible uses one of the most gruesome and incredible pictures of a man's sin to paint this picture. And from that I want to preach to you today the servants are whispering. I want to tell you today that this story actually begins about a year and a half earlier. I'll do my best to quickly lay the foundation to arrive at the point that I believe God wants us to get to before I weary you with much preaching. It begins by simply telling us that there was a time of year when the kings go to battle that David stayed in the palace. Those kings were a bit smarter than we today. They knew that there was a time and season for battle. <laughs> During the monsoons in Vietnam, the war came to a standstill because the men couldn't march and the aircraft couldn't fly. And after the monsoons, the battle started up again. You see, the truth of our two world wars is that winter weather caused more suffering and death to our troops than the actual wars. The kings of this time in world history understood as well we need to understand today they knew something about the intelligence of waiting until the right time to wage war. David was a man of war. He had always been. Even when he was a lonely shepherd boy, there was a power and intelligence within him to take care of his enemies. They were lions and bears. They were what seemed to be insurmountable enemies for one man. But David understood that it was not he alone that would fight that battle. But there was a God that was more than able to see him through whatever the enemy threw in his face. Hey, I rise on this Sunday morning to tell somebody there is no enemy that can stop a child of God. There is no enemy or force that is strong enough to hinder you if you'll put your trust in God. David was a man of war. He understood what war was, which is so ironic 
Because as we began in the scripture today, we see that David decided to send everyone else to fight. And he stayed home. It's the spirit of the age. It's the spirit of our age. We want to have revival. We want to have a move of God. We want to advance the kingdom. But we want somebody else to do the fighting. Ah, you're not going to help me now. I want you to understand the man of God said it to us today. It's time for the church to rise up and advance in the kingdom. It's time for us to mature in the kingdom and understand that it is our battle to be fought. And it's not one or two or even from a platform, but as the body of Christ, we must rise up in faith and do battle because there is a kingdom at stake and there are souls that are at stake and if somehow we don't get a hold of it and we don't get a hold of the burden, somebody's going to lose out. Somebody's going to die. Somebody's not going to make it. David had served his nation because of his integrity and his willingness to fight for what was right. He was well known as a man of war. But somehow, David decided that it was time for everybody else to go to battle. It was the first step. Please hear me right now. It was the first step in a long downhill slide. We don't know exactly why David stayed and sent the army. But because of the tragic story that follows and knowing the way that the enemy deals with flesh, we can make some pretty good assumptions. He's just finished the palace. No doubt it was a beautiful place. Comfortable. Easy. Safe. Maybe David just got a little lazy and comfortable. Can I just tell the church today, it's no time for us to be lazy. It's no time for us to be comfortable. Come on now. It's no time for us to settle in and think everything's going to be all right. Listen, if everything is all right, it's going to be because we understand We're part of the solution to the situation. I am convinced that we are about to face some of the most difficult days that the church has ever seen. And we cannot sit on our laurels of success. Look at this crowd today. This is wonderful. What a wonderful Sunday morning crowd. But I want to tell you that we cannot afford to sit on the laurels of our success and sit back and let the enemy continue to make progress all around us and the church not push back. It's time for the church to rise up. Listen, if it ever was a time of war, if it ever was a time of battle, if it ever was the season to fight, Today is the season to fight. 
but we cannot take our place of comfort and say, I'm going to send everybody else to the battlefield and I'm going to sit back and see what happens. It is a trap for the enemy to catch you unaware and to take your soul. So he finds himself. You know, what usually happens to a man just before he falls is he gets lazy and he gets comfortable. Men will work themselves crazy to get their position get their title, get their desk and their chair and office with a view. Only then to fall into an adulterous affair with that secretary. Soon they lose everything. Or they begin to depend upon a drug or a bottle of alcohol to keep their edge. Soon the thing that they worked so hard and diligently to achieve begins to crumble. I feel led of the Holy Ghost to stop right here and I don't even know who I'm talking to right now. But I feel led to stop right here and say to you, if you're a man that's either pursuing or being pursued by someone They are not pursuing you. They are pursuing your position. They are pursuing your place. And I want you to understand something. If you follow and give in to that pursuit, you're going to lose your position. You're going to lose your authority. And the only thing that will be left of you is the shadow of a man that you once were. Don't let your ego override the conviction of the Holy Ghost. I said don't let your ego override the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Don't let your ego send you to hell. Don't let your ego destroy your marriage, your family. Soon the things that once meant so much to you, will be gone. You see, the devil has a lot of tricks up his sleeve. But he doesn't have any new tricks up his sleeve. What he used on King David and what he will use on you, it will always be the same. When a leader... Or a Holy Ghost filled person begins to relax or get comfortable. It's always a sure sign that there is a decay working in the foundation. David sent his men to fight. Because he had nothing constructive to do now with his time. And energy. 
he finds himself on the rooftop of his palace. Bored. You know, I, I find it, I find it so ironic that people say they're bored in the kingdom of God. I mean, we we live in a city of some 45, 50,000, I don't know how many now. And we don't have anything to do in the kingdom. There's maybe 250 people here this morning. I don't know. I didn't count the heads when they came through the door. But we got 50,000 people in our city and we're bored in the kingdom. David found himself as an easy prey for the flesh. I'm going to talk to something in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling you, if you ever put your nose to the grindstone, if you ever put your shoulder to the plow, you better do it right now more than ever. Don't you give your flesh room. Don't you give your flesh opportunity. This is a day that the enemy is trying to take out everybody that he can take out. The Bible said because he knows he has but a short time. He doesn't want to be in hell by himself. He's trying to take everybody with him that he can. And let me tell you. He has, he's not after the drug addict. He's not after the alcoholic. He's not after the sinner. He already has them. His target is you. First of all, People on the rooftop doing observations should be noted here. Doing anything from the rooftop was not unusual. People on the rooftop doing anything would shock us today. I mean... Not very many folks get a step ladder or an extension ladder and just climb up on your roof just to hang out. But in this time, the houses were smaller than ours today, and they didn't have porches or decks like ours, they were built with flat roofs. So that in the evenings, they could sit with their family and friends and enjoy the cool breeze on the roof. Also, the king, being able to see down onto the other rooftops, would be understandable because the palace was higher than the other buildings in Jerusalem. I don't know if it was a usual custom... To be bathing on the rooftop in the middle of the day. But some of the blame should certainly be placed upon the woman. 
At the risk of sounding like a religious prude this morning, I need to stop here to tell you that women who are listening or watching, if you can hear me today, what you wear and how much you show is a powerful thing. I'm about to be the bishop for a little while. There are two types of females after this train of thought. One kind of female just doesn't honestly understand what she's causing to a man's heart by not dressing modestly. The other kind of female doesn't care and enjoys the problem that she creates. I'm not trying to be mean here, but I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to sit very long in the parking lot at Applewood or Walmart and ask the question, did you even look in a mirror before you left today? I know this sounds mean. I, I, I don't want to be mean. But there are times when I cut up with my wife and I see somebody walking across the parking lot and I make this statement to her. Just say no to yoga pants. <laughs> you with me, Brother Mike? Ah, don't let me get hung up here, Jesus. God has created men, ladies, to be a sight-oriented creature. The woman is not. The female whose heart is right, whose spirit is right, then they will keep that in mind whenever they put on anything or take anything off. Man, it got quiet. Bathsheba, no doubt, knew her rooftop was in view of the palace. She knew her husband was off to war and the king was not. And she carries her share of the blame. The Bible doesn't try to ice it over. The scriptures never attempt to make the sin pretty or justified at all. Its language is plain and it's evident that sin is sin. It doesn't matter whether the sinner is dirt poor or living in a palace. David exercised his right of authority as king and called a servant and had her delivered to the palace. She sends word later that she's pregnant and now they both have a serious problem. You know the story. You've heard it preached many times and so David does what naturally that, that what comes natural for a backslider. He begins to cover his sin. 
tries to work his way around his guilt and his shame. Instead of repenting and facing his guilt, he does his best to cover it up, place the blame somewhere else. He calls Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, home from the battlefield with the auspice, under the auspices of giving him a report of the battle. And then he sends Uriah home to be with his family. How shocked David is when he finds out that instead of going home, Uriah lays at the gates of the king all night long. And when questioned about it, listen to the spirit of Uriah. I love it. He says in so many words, this is my words, not the the words of the Lord, but just kind of the same thing that he said. He said, how can I, when my brethren are out in the open fields doing battle, how can I be at home with my family? Can I just say something right now? God is trying to stir the church up to help us understand that we are in the battle for our life. We are in the battle for the souls of our children. We are in the battle for the souls of our marriage. We are in the battle for the souls of our neighbors and loved ones. And nobody can find yourself in a place of comfort right now. We must be shaken and stirred and rise up to intercede and travail for the souls of men. Actually, Uriah was a powerful picture of who David used to be. The loyalty, the character, the strength of morals. It must have pierced David's heart to have heard this come out of the man whose wife he has stolen. So he tries again. Watch this. Sin will make you do that. Sin won't let you just sin once. Sin will lead you in places where it feels like there's no return. But I've got good news. It doesn't matter how far you've gone today. Mercy and grace are still intact. The hand of God can still reach you right where you are. But you must come to Him. He will not come to you. So he tries again. It's a downward slide. As long as our mind and our heart convince us that we can somehow fix it. We try. He makes Uriah stay another night. Throws a party. Gets him drunk. He sends him home again and expects the result to be the end of the whole situation. 
But even in a drunk condition, the man has some integrity. He stays in the palace and sleeps in the servants' quarters instead of going home. And so now David is perplexed. Listen, there's no way to get back to God except to go back to God. You cannot manipulate God. You cannot outsmart God. You cannot you may hide it from a lot of folks, but you'll never hide it from God. You see, Once a soul begins to take steps away from God, there's a spirit out there hanging around to make sure that there's no stopping until there is total destruction. You remember the character of the enemy of your soul. The Bible said that he cometh to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He won't quit until you die without God and spend eternity in hell. Don't think that He's your friend. Don't think that He's your companion. Don't think that somehow whatever He's offering you is because He loves you. He's offering that to you because He's trying to lure you into His trap that will be your eternal demise. I wish you'd lift your hands with me and help me right here. Oh, God. You see, the backslider will justify it. Keep making excuses, just like David. But we'll continue to make decisions that will one day end in destruction. All David had to do, all he had to do was to fall on his face and repent. You're only one step away from restoration and healing. But you've got to be the one to fall on your face and ask God to forgive you. So instead, he had him murdered. I'm not going to take a lot of time there. You know the story. Word came back soon that the deed had been accomplished. And David breathed a sigh of relief. He had covered his sin. Hear me right here. He has hidden his sin. He's gotten away with his sin. Someone said once 
Secret sin on earth is open scandal in heaven. David is going to learn what some of us need to learn before it's too late. You may keep it from your wife. You may keep it from your mother. You may keep it from your best friend and your pastor. But your sin is never hid in heaven. What you do in secret here is running the billboards in glory. It's why the Bible said that the angels rejoice when one sinner comes to God. It's because they've seen your sin ever before them. And that day that you repent and God forgives you, your name is taken off the billboard and the angels rejoice. You've got an opportunity to be saved. What you do in secret is not secret at all. I wonder if any of us would live any differently if we realize that we're being watched closely by all the hosts of heaven. As well as all the saints who have gone before us. I know this is a little weird, but I think sometimes, you know, our flesh sometimes thinks weird stuff. And I think sometimes when I think of something that maybe is a little off, a little weird, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if Bishop Bingham can see that. I know it sounds a little weird, but you don't know, and I don't know. But I want to tell you something. We need to live our lives as though... Somebody is watching over us every day, every moment, every hour. I said we need to live our lives because they're watching us. And every decision that we make, every choice that we make is being scrutinized by heaven. He finishes the deal by marrying Bathsheba. I'm hurrying. He settles back on the throne. And he's certain that just a few trusted servants and himself are aware of the sin. But deep, deep in his soul. Deep in his soul. David knows. God has seen. Make no mistake here, you may think that nobody knows. God knows. Every morning, every night, the king, before the king can occupy his mind with the business of the kingdom. There's continual guilt. The shame that he feels 
every time he looks into the face of Bathsheba, the many occasions that he as king must pass judgment upon someone else, but he knows he's in no position to proclaim judgment. Shame, shame is a deep thing. Guilt is a dark stranger who lurks behind every corner. The bright and wonderful day comes when their son is born. Oh, how wonderful it is. Bathsheba embraces that little one. David walks in and he sees him. At first glimpse, that sweet face, the nose that resembles his mother, the ears of his grandfather Jesse, the eyes. The eyes are the eyes of his father. And it's like looking into a mirror again. He relives it all over again. In just a few seconds, what's supposed to be covered is uncovered. I'm speaking to you today, my friend. If you're watching, listening today on the internet, I want you to know that God loves you, but you can no longer cover your sin. Speaking to those of you that are in this congregation today, God has sent me with an indictment from heaven to tell you, I am going to uncover your sin. I will reveal it. There's no need to try to hide it. The only way that it can be dispelled is for you to come to me and receive and accept my mercy. Unto you. David's sin rises again to his heart. His guilt twists like the knife it is. Instead of being able to thank God for a new son, he's forced back into his chambers to fall and weep bitterly. The devil rejoices today when we carry our shame. How broken is God's heart to miss David's song? How God's ears miss the praise and the music from David's harp. How dark the sin. How deep the pain. The thing between you and God today is the same. If only David could understand the whole time his enemy whispers into his heart that God doesn't care, that God hates him, that God has walked away and will be silent forever. God is working on a plan. God is busy working on a redemption program.
Just because God is silent today in your life doesn't mean that God has winked at your backsliding. Just because God hasn't sent judgment doesn't mean heaven is going to be silent forever. Heaven will open soon and God will speak. It will surely and most certainly happen. The Bible said, but the thing that David did displeased the Lord. There's a difference this morning. Please hear me as I finish. There's a difference today between a sheep and a pig. I know that's shocking. I'm not speaking of the physical difference. I'm speaking of the character. When a lamb falls in a mud pit, it will struggle and struggle. It will bleat and cry until it either works its way out of the pit or the good shepherd will come and rescue it from the muck. But a pig is different. When a pig falls into a pit of muck and mud, instead of struggling to get out as soon as it can, it will simply settle down and begin to enjoy the quagmire. Hear me today. God will never leave a lamb in the mud if it is truly a lamb. If you're listening or you're here and your heart is not right, you're backslidden, you're a prodigal, whoever you might be, I want to tell you that God will stop back by and He will pull you out of the muck of your sin and He will forgive you and He will heal you and He will restore you and He will renew you. Some wonder why God doesn't intervene in their sin and their backsliding. But God had to wait until David was so weary with it. And so tired of keeping it a secret. So ready to repent. The message would indeed stir his heart. I'm speaking to somebody right now. The Spirit of the Lord would say to you right now. Are you tired of keeping it a secret? Are you tired of being on the run? Are you wearied with somehow having to lie one more time to cover up the last lie that you told? Are you weary with the shame? Are you weary with the guilt? If you are, the Father is waiting For you to call and he will restore you even this day.
And so God sends the man of God. 2 Samuel 12 and verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich, the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished up and grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of their own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. Verse 4, there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. God begins to appeal To the side of David that he knows is still in there. The side of justice and integrity and morality. And he sends a man of God with a parable that's only for the heart of a lamb who still knows what's pure. Who still knows what's right. Who still knows what's just. And he gets an expected response from the king and David says... Who is it? I'm going to judge him. He should die. I want you to notice something. Get the picture with me now. They were in the judgment hall of the elders in Israel. Everybody's hearing David. He said, I'm going to take him out. I can't let this happen. Now listen to what the man of God says. Oh, I'm so thankful. I know it's quiet in here today because this is very stern and I understand. But I'm thankful for a man of God that won't hold the Word of God back just because he thinks it's going to hurt my feelings. I'm thankful that if I'm headed for hell, there's still men of God that will stand in the pulpit and tell me that I'm not right and I'm headed for destiny in hell. Nathan says to David, for thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. David said unto Nathan, I've sinned. I've sinned against the Lord. Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. How be it because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Nathan departed unto his house. The Lord struck the child that Uriah's 
wife bare unto David. And it was very sick. All those months, David had convinced himself that the thing is hidden. No one knows. And in ten minutes, it all comes out plainly. Everyone in the throne room hears the story and sees the pointed finger of the man of God. Thou art the man, Nathan said. But God is the final judge. God will always have the final say. Your friends won't matter in that day. There's not going to be a party in hell. I don't care what your friends tell you. Oh, let's all just go to hell. We'll have a party. There's not going to be a party in hell. Let me describe it to you. It's going to be outer darkness. It's going to be eternal flames that are licking up. Not consuming your flesh, but torturing your flesh. It's not going to be a party room. You're going to be on your own. I said your friends won't be there to help you. Your friends won't be there beside you. They won't be there to encourage you. You're going to be on your own. I want to tell you today with everything that is within me, whatever you need to do to get back to God, get back to God. You don't want to go there. When the man of God left the throne room, there was an immediate change in the king. It's how you can tell that God had waited for the right season. David's heart was so weary with carrying this guilt and shame that he understood it's time. The lamb, the lamb. It's tired of the mud. The lamb is weary with being separated from the shepherd. Can I ask you today, are you tired? Are you weary with being separated from the shepherd? I hear the voice of the shepherd calling, come home. Come home. I will forgive you. I will heal you. I will restore you. The Bible said he lays before the Lord. He weeps. He prays. Not for him now. Not for him now. That's not what he's praying. He's praying some way for the result of his own sin for that baby to live. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. It's something about sin. It never happens without leaving scars. I don't care who you are. When you came to God out of sin, there were scars in your life. Not the sin anymore, but the scars thereof. 
I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away all of my sins. So David, he's praying, seeking God somehow for a miracle. Now some would say that God is cruel and that this is unusual punishment. But it's not. It's love in the purest form. The child's soul and eternity was safe. But David's lays in the balance. Whatever God uses to bring us to repentance will never be worth more than the sin or rebellion that we're enjoying. I've seen God willing to strip a man or woman of everything in order to get them to fall on their face and say, I've sinned in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Have mercy upon me, O God. Seven long days. Complete. Completeness. Seven long days. David's repentance was complete. Perfect and fulfilled. And he noticed something different. Something was happening. Look at the person next to you and tell them. The servants are whispering. I've come all this way this morning to get to this point for someone in this room and somebody that's listening, listening right now. Something's different. Something's changed. The servants are whispering. They whispered because the baby was dead. The judgment was complete. God's anger was spoken and now finished. The Holy Ghost has come to tell you today, the servants are whispering. That thing that you birthed in sin, that rebellion, that dark and grievous act that you've buried in your life, the Holy Ghost sent me here on Sunday to tell you it's dead. You who have had a hunger to be clean again in the sight of God. You who don't really enjoy the muck and the stench of the pig pen. You who really would love to have a relationship again with God. The devil says simply you cannot. I've come to tell you on this Sunday morning. The servants are whispering. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. It's done. It's done. God wants you to get past it. Just repent. Tell him you're sorry. Recount the story one more time.
into heaven's ears and then let it go. God's not happy that you're so heavy with your guilt. He's not content that you have no joy, that you have no peace. He misses your song. He's hungry again to hear your sweet voice in worship and praise. The harsh things that you've endured the past year, however long it's been, have been God's sign to the Lamb in the pig's pen that He knows your sin. He's seen your backsliding, but the servants are whispering. The child's dead. It's time to bury it. And start living again. Something's changed here. I want you to stand with me. The air in the room is different right now. This is a call to repentance in this building right now. If there are things in your life that you thought you had hidden, the Holy Ghost has exposed them today in this place. The Word of God has exposed it today in this place. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to pick you up out of the muck. I'm going to pick you up out of the mire today. The shepherd's coming by. The shepherd's coming by. Come on, would you come? Would you come today? Would you come to this altar right now? The servants are whispering. I don't know what it is that you've done or how long you've carried it around, but the message should be clear to you today. If you're tired of carrying around the guilt and the shame of it, God's calling your name. God's calling your name. Why don't you come? Come on, the finger of God is pointed to you today. Oh, if I were you today, I wouldn't leave here while the servants are whispering. I wouldn't leave here today knowing that God's hungry to have you back. God's drawing and calling you today. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come on, would you come? Would you come right now? Would you seek the face of God? The servants are whispering, your past is gone. It's dead. Today is a day of restoration. Today is a day of healing. Today is a day of renewal. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord everywhere right now. Come on, the Bible said David got up from where he was, washed himself, changed his clothes, and went to the house of God and worshiped. Why don't you come and worship God today? Why don't you get out of that seat and walk down that aisle and come and lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready for restoration. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come right now. Don't wait. Servants are whispering. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Above all else, you must be saved. Don't let the enemy lie to you today. Don't let the enemy tell you you've got time. Time is running out. Time is running out. Servants are whispering.